The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. Before there was radio, TV, or podcasts, people gathered together to tell stories. And these stories were meant to entertain or educate. It really drew people in and helped them forget their troubles of the day and experience something they've never imagined before or maybe illustrated something in a way that was more easily to mentally digest. This tradition has been reborn in the forms of not only RPGs and LARPs, but in console, card, and board games as ways to tell a story and bring you into the tale. We're going to be talking about news, kickstarters of games you should be aware of, and interview a guest about a topic that involves some aspect of storytelling. We welcome you to the Adventure Party. Hello and welcome to the 42nd gathering of the Adventure Party on this, the 28th of February. I'm your party leader, Brad Ludwig. We ask that you peace tie your swords, holster your blasters, and make sure you have your Barry White albums at the ready while you are gathered at the meeting table. Uh, Our guest this week is Venger Satanis, and he is a poet, a painter, a fellow Wisconsinite, and the proprietor of Cortholis Publishing and creator of the RPG called Alpha Blue, and the recently Kickstarter-funded Alpha Blue supplement, Girls Gone Rogue. Welcome to the Adventure Party. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, For those of you who are checking us out on YouTube, you can probably see that Glenn is not here yet. Uh, He got hung up, and he will be with us uh, shortly. So we're going to change things up just a little bit in our order, and when Glenn joins us, Uh, We will let him take the stage. We're going to change things up. We're going to start with the news. And uh, this kind of caught my eye. I've been doing a little bit more computer gaming lately. uh, And uh, I've I've been seeing on Steam that Grim Dawn uh, has picked up uh, (laughs) a bit of Steam, uh, pun intended. Uh, It has just come out and it seems to be Uh, gaining a lot of traction. So here we go. Uh, Crate Entertainment first announced Grim Dawn, a Diablo-like RPG using Titan Quest's engine in January of 2010. Two years later, they collected over a half a million dollars with a successful Kickstarter campaign and later put the game on early access in 2013. Now, after a half a dozen years, Grim Dawn is released. Uh, Mechanics-wise, Grim Dawn should be familiar to you if you played any of the Diablos. I cut my teeth, I think, on Diablo 2. So, and I really kind of enjoyed the interface on that one. Uh, Any of the uh, Torchlight games, the uh, Path of Exile, or especially Titan Quest, uh, you go through a four-act campaign on varying difficulty levels in a Victorian-inspired Grim World solving quests, and slaughtering everything in your way. <laughs> Since this game comes from Titan Quest's developers, uh, similar, uh, similarly uh, to that game, you only create a male or female character at the start and decide on a class while playing. Another aspect that's similar to Titan Quest is the game's class system. Like in Titan Quest, you have several masteries or classes to pick from. Uh, You have your active skills. Uh, They show up as squares on your tree. Passive skills show up as circles on your tree. And a general stat-increasing mastery meter on the bottom. 
later on in the game, you can also dual class into something like a fighter mage or mage summoner. On top of all that, the game also comes with a built-in co-op multiplayer and modding tools promised post-launch. It's the full package. The Dream Diablo clone. Now, since it's just you and me, Venture, for now, uh, are you a, a computer game RPG guy? Uh, not really. I um, Back in the 80s, I had a Commodore 64. Oh, sure. Um, like, uh, you know, many soon-to-be gamers, like future gamers or people that were gaming back then. Uh, I was really into the Bard's Tale, and, you know, I had started out with an Atari, and I also did a Nintendo, things like that. When I tell where I got into college, um, a couple things, ha- I, you know, I stopped collecting toys, I stopped <laughs> uh, collecting comic books, and the video, video gaming kind of, like, fell by the wayside. And I didn't, you know, sporadically through the years, I would, like, you know, play here and there if a friend had a game he was excited about or something, but never really kept up with it. Um, the role-playing game stuff, you know, still going stronger than ever. But uh, but the whole toy, comic book, video game thing, um, yeah, just not so much. Yeah, and <laughs> there's certainly no shame in that. Uh, we had uh, a guest on, actually, my, my current boss. Uh, he's like, he had a Commodore 64 and had Bard's Tale and Pool of, uh, Pools of Radiance and uh, a lot of the yeah. early TSR uh, games, the SSI games. And, uh, yeah, um, I, we, we lost many hours <laughs> playing those games back in the day. Uh, Yeah, you know, it's kind of gotten to a point now, I think, where, you know, unless you are really big into the gaming and are really kind of on top of updating your computer uh, to handle some of those games, it can can be kind of difficult to to keep up with that. I'm so out of the game, uh, no no pun intended. I think... uh, Almost, almost too far gone. Like someone would have to mentor me, you know, shepherd me along. I, someone would show me a new game. I'd be like, oh, so this is like Pac-Man and like Pitfall, but with <laughs> like boobs or something like that. I don't know. And yep. then I, my favorite reference is just so old. You know, I'm already 41. Uh, people would look at me like I was ancient, probably. Like, what is this guy talking about? Have you never seen a game since, you know? And, 1992 and like actually no not really not much anyway yeah and it's amazing i mean you look at 1992 that was what 24 years ago it's amazing to just think about how much computing power and how much the games have changed to kind of take advantage of that computing power that's now available to them so um yeah you know getting the opportunity to to look at um I don't know if you've seen any of the um, console systems that they put out at Christmas time where the games are kind of wired into it and they had like an Atari and Intellivision. I think they even released like a Coleco <clears throat> and the games were actually like in the box. You didn't get the, the, the cartridges or anything. It was just built in and looking at those games and kind of remembering how cool that is and then passing that off to, you know, somebody who's, you know, 14 now and they go, what is this crap? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's something that, you know, it, it killed hours and hours of our lives back in the day and we, we loved it so much. Yeah. So. Yeah. I can remember um, an old Atari game called Adventure. Like sure. you were literally 
like a cursor. You were like this little tiny block yep. of color. That was your whole identity, uh, your avatar or whatever. And then you'd go in these really crudely pixelated rooms and look for these things that kind of almost look like a sword. You'd find a dragon or two or just like really bad. And I can remember my parents or my dad telling me like, oh, um, there's this video arcade, video arcade on State Street. And they've got this brand new game called um, Dragon's Lair. Yes. And it's supposed to have really good graphics. And it's like fantasy, which is totally up your alley, Danger. Not that he called me that then, but sure. that's kind of why I go by now. And, uh, you know, maybe we should, you know, it's Saturday or something, maybe we should go out and check it out. And I'm like, yeah, cool. So I was expecting, like, you know, not, not the cursor, like, little square guy. But I was thinking, like, oh, maybe it would be, like, half a dozen squares, like, put together in a rudimentary fashion that would look kind of like more like a person. I was just blown away. I was like, this is an awesomely drawn cartoon. Yep. Holy crap, I can't believe that I was, just an hour ago, I was playing Adventure. Uh, and now this, this is like, but then, but then even a couple of years later on video games, uh, they never really got to that level. And so, yeah. maybe, maybe that was the moment I'm like, oh, this is it. You know, we're only like a couple of years away from virtual reality and people leave my body behind and actually be in the game or something. And then that never happened. Yep. I'm just like, this is, this is lame. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that makes something else. Well, no, you know, essentially, essentially it was like taking a, a DVD and being able to select the track. And that was, you know, based on how you hit the, the joystick it it you know jumped jumped you to that yeah. track and um, and yeah it was lauded as as you know the cat's ass in the day and uh uh for those of you who can hear Glenn has joined us hi Glenn hello <laughs> how are you doing I'm doing great <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'm late no that's fine um Avengers on a on a schedule and for the first time we are uh doing the show uh, using my little setup for uh, the cell phone. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm geeked out about it, but um, others probably don't care. And that's fine. Uh, we were just finishing up with the news that uh, Grim Dawn is uh, available uh, on Steam. Cool. So, yeah. I, I was going to... I was just... I got my computer uh, redone a little while ago, and I've been kind of going through and putting some of my Steam games that I had in my library on my computer, and uh, I saw that as, like, in the top five uh, of the new games that have come out. So I'm kind of serious about, uh, after looking at this story especially, of going in and taking a look at some of the gameplay videos and stuff like that. So, <coughs> All right. What we're going to do now is we are going to let Glenn have the floor with his game review and kind of get us back on track here. Uh, Glenn, what game do you have for us this week? You don't know? Just leave it for the show notes? Um. <laughs> Until right now? Um, I am bringing... I'm going back to... Just like last week, I'm doing another one from Blue Orange Games. Um, this one is Longhorn. It's uh, a two-player... Uh, kind of a little mini-strategy game. 
And the Longhorn, so this is set in deep Texas in the 1870s during the cattle boom. And both you and your opponent play opposing cattle rustlers, trying to steal a bunch of cattle. Um, the game is pretty, some pretty interesting mechanics. You have a board made up of nine tiles, and on those tiles will be cows of several colors. You have black, white, brown, and orange cattle on those tiles in mixed quantities. Um, the actual player token, there's one token that represents both players, double-sided. So on a turn, so wherever I say, if I'm the first player, I start in one of these tiles. I have to take all the cows of one color from that tile. So if, say, there's two orange and a black, I can either take the black or I take the two orange. Go into my square pile. Then I move the player token. The number of spaces equal to the number of cows I took. So I took two. I move the token two spaces and flip it over. It is then the next player's turn. On each of these tiles, you also have some special tokens. These are uh, tokens that you have to take if you take the last cow off a tile. And there are many more of these tokens than, than there are tiles, so you have different ones that show up each game. Some are good. Some are just simply, hey, here's 100 gold, uh, here's 500, whatever. Uh, some are less good, as in you lose some of your cows. And one, being the sheriff, if he's in play, if you take him, you lose immediately. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, but like I said, he's not in every game because there's there's like 20 of these tokens. You only use nine per game. Um, the game ends in a couple of different ways. One, if any player gets all nine cows of one color, they win immediately. If someone obviously takes the sheriff token, they lose immediately. Or if you cannot legally move the player token to a tile with cows on it, the game ends and then you actually have a score, uh, scoring round. Okay. And the way scoring works is you get bonuses for any tiles you took. Like if you have a hundred dollar, you know, gold uh, nugget thing, you get those points. But then you score your cows, and this is where the scoring gets interesting. Every cow is worth one hundred dollars for each cow of that color still out on the game board. So hmm. the more cows you took, the less they're worth. Yes, you have more of them, oh. but they're worth more money. Okay. So if you got the only orange cow off the board. That sucker is worth eight hundred dollars. <laughs> I took four of the black cows, and you took five of them. There's none left. They're worth zero. Oof. So, the the scoring can get really interesting towards the end there, and it's this way of manipulating the movement because sometimes you won't always take the the best cattle for you because it lets you move your opponent somewhere that's less beneficial for them. So that's the kind of nifty thing is the way you can manipulate where your opponents can end up going. Um, and there's just there's a lot of variety because you have so many different special tokens to use. The nine tiles themselves don't really change, but the special tokens will change. Sure. So some some games you might have a lot of really bad ones out there that you know cause your cattle to stampede or you lose stuff. And it's just a, a really cool uh, little two-player game, and it plays in I mean 15 minutes if you're going really slow. Oh, nice! So a good a good pickup game or a good warm-up. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, the guy who made it, uh, Bruno Cathala, who I've talked about on here before. Sure. Um, it's just done a ton of good games. I've, I've talked about Abyss before. Yep. Um, he did that. He did Seven Wonders Duel. He did uh, Cyclades, which is an amazing uh, game about uh, Greek mythology. He did Dice Town. Um, oh, my gosh. He's just done, he's done so many games. Jamaica, Five Tribes he's worked on. Mission Red Planet, which I also reviewed on here. Yep. 
So the guy's done a lot of really good games. Um, and just it's just a fun little two-player that it's hard finding a really good two-player unless it's supposed to be made for two-player. Sure. There's plenty of games that say, oh, this is, this plays two to five, and it kind of sucks for two. Yeah. Um, just because you lose something in, in the gameplay. You know, in a lot of games where you're competitive, and it's it's up to five players, a five-player game, you're competing against, you know, four other people. A two-player, it's that it's just it's just me and you. So yep. there's there's a lot lost. And games that are really made for two, I find just they're the ones that play best at two. And this one plays really, really well at two players. Okay. And what is the suggested retail for this? On Longhorn, the suggested retail is um, no, I had it up, and then I, for some reason I closed the page. <laughs> That's the mindset I'm in after driving back from, from Manitowoc. So. Oh, God. Yeah, that's right. Oh, you were at Fire and, Fire and Ice, weren't you? Other convention, because that's what I do. Uh, 25 is okay. the retail price. Well, hell, that's incredibly reasonable. Yeah, and Blue Orange Games, just, they, they make a lot of really good games, and they're, they're nice quality components, too. The, the, the player token is a nice wood big wood piece, like a like silver dollar-sized wood piece. Yeah, for, for those of you who are actually watching us on YouTube, I was flipping, and well, those of you who are actually listening to the audio version of this, uh, check out the YouTube version of it, because I was flipping through uh, uh, some of the images on Board Game Geek for, uh, for Longhorn, and uh, yeah, the, the quality components, uh, great-looking artwork on these cards, and uh, uh, it looks like it's a lot of fun. So if you're looking for a good, quick two-player game, uh, this may be right up your alley. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, Glenn. <clears throat> uh, Venger, are you a a board game player? We obviously know you're an RPGer, tabletop, pen and pen, pen and paper, pencil and paper. Uh, board games? Uh, every once in a while. Okay. Um, you know, I like Risk. Okay. You know, I, it's been years since I played it, but I like Risk. Sure. Um, and I've tried uh, like a zombie one that's popular. I got oh yeah. Um, that, well, it's like tiles, and you like build a town and. Uh, and Dead of Winter, or are you talking about zombies? That, like, Ten years ago, and oh yeah, I've just, like yep. a couple times. Okay. Um, yeah, little things like that. Um, I mean, not huge in the board games. Sure. But, uh, yeah, every once in a while I'll play them. Um, the Cthulhu, the Call of Cthulhu. Oh, yep. The, like, collectible card game. Not really the card games either, but although I do like poker. And I take this hold of them and stuff like that. Sure. But, but uh, like, ten years ago when the, the collectible card game came up for that, I was really into that. Just because I'm really into Lovecraft and Cthulhu and those, just anyway. Sure. Um, but it was fun, like, with my friends and, and stuff like that and yeah so nice all right next up here we're going to talk about uh patreon uh we would love to have your support if you feel we are worthy of it uh if you enjoy what you hear if you can consider supporting the show and helping pay for web and audio hosting uh, we'd really appreciate it um there are multiple levels. Uh, there's a dollar a month level, which is cool. 
Uh, $3 gets you a monthly newsletter where we post some extra stories that are related to all the different podcasts that we have available, and we'll talk about some of the other shows that we, we have in our stable of Galactic Netcast shows. Uh, if you are uh, able to uh, help support us at the $5 a month level, you get an extra episode of each of the shows that Galactic, Galactic Netcasts has to offer. So, um, And that is exclusive to the patrons. So uh, if, you, uh, if you feel flush, if you, are, uh, if you think that uh, what you're hearing is, is well worth it, uh, feel free to go to patreon.com slash galacticnetcasts and show your support. All right. We are going to... We just did... Uh, the news about, uh, I'm sorry, about Grim Dawn. <clears throat> now we're going to let Ryan Murphy have a shot here and talk about some more digital gaming. And uh, he is a regular contributor uh, to the Galactic Netcast's uh, family of shows, and he covers a lot more in-depth the digital beat of the digital games that are out there. So without further ado, take it away, Ryan. All right, thanks, Ryan. Uh, our Kickstarter spotlight is up now. And, uh, Glenn, did you get your copy of Sun, Moon, and Stars? I did. Yes. And I was actually, I saw Eric this weekend. He was up at Fire and Ice. Oh, cool. Very cool. Uh, I, I wish I, I wish I would have done the work and, and, uh, found the episode where we talked about Sun, Moon, and Stars uh, as our uh, Kickstarter spotlight, but it's always, it's always gratifying to, to support a Kickstarter, and I know... I know Venger's in that boat, and we're going to talk about some of his uh, Kickstarter work that he's done for uh, Alpha Blue, and more recently, his successfully funded Girls Gone Rogue supplement for Alpha Blue. And it's always gratifying to hold that that backed uh, item in your hand or download that PDF, depending on what uh, what they have available for that particular Kickstarter. So, uh, yeah, I held that that pack of cards in my hand, and I'm like, yeah, here it is. Now I get to try it. So. <laughs> I'm pretty psyched about that. Uh, continuing on, though, uh, last week we talked about Saloon Tycoon, and I believe that was one that you brought to the table. Can you remind us a little bit about what that was about? Yep, Saloon Tycoon is a tiling game where you are trying to build the best saloon in an Old West town. Um, you are, can build it outward by adding tiles uh, to your board, or upwards by basically putting little blocks and building your saloon up by adding different rooms. Better rooms will attract better clients. However, they'll also attract some of the less savory types you would expect from the Old West as well. Uh, they were looking to get $20,000, and they've way past that. They're already at 39000 with uh, still 16 days to go. So they've unlocked some of their stretch goals already. Uh, they've funded it. they added a mini expansion called the Underground, which is going to add cellar and vault tiles that you can play as well. They've upgraded the, the tiles to be thicker. They replaced the cardboard tokens for gold with actual acrylic uh, gold token nuggets. They're, <laughs> I know they're going to hit the $40,000 one. They're, they're like $500 away. That's going to add mini outskirts expansions, which includes like the outhouse and garden tiles. Yes. <laughs> uh, and they've got more after that, which they could very possibly hit still. I mean, like I said, there's 16 days to go, and you can get it on the game for 40 bucks, um, yep. which they're expecting the MSRP to be 55, so that's a really good deal. 
I mean, that's almost as cheap as I would get it paid with my employee discount at my store. So that's sure. um, really cool. And if you want to splurge, you go 70, you get the whole game, plus it's a little acrylic nuggets of gold. You get actual fool's gold nuggets. So <laughs> uh, it looks like a really cool, fun game. So. Yep, and if you get on board, the estimated delivery is August. So this thing is, like, all ready to go. It yep. just needs to hit the printer and hit the companies that uh, would be handling the acrylic gold pieces. Um, it, it, it's in the bag. It just uh, yeah. needs, to, needs to hit the printers and then get out the door to you. Excellent. And, yeah, like you said, 16 days to go on this. Um, we're going to – they're going to – they're going to raise a bit more money here yep. and uh, make a truly spectacular right. game. Well, they probably won't raise as much as the Kickstarter you brought. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, uh, the one that I brought to the table here is Cult Divinity Lost. And this is a game that... Okay, it came out in 1991 originally. And you know, to me, 1991 is when I discovered that there were more games than just D&D in the world. Uh, you know, White Wolf uh, had come to the fore, and I discovered that, and I was truly enthralled by that. Um, but uh, Cult Divinity Lost, uh, the, the premise of this, uh, the world around us is a lie. Mankind is trapped in an illusion. We do not see the great citadels of Metropolis towering over the highest skyscrapers. We do not hear the screams from the cellar where hidden stairs take us to Inferno. We do not smell the blood and burnt flesh of those sacrificed to long-forgotten gods. But some of us see glimpses from beyond the veil. We have this strange feeling that something is not right. The ramblings of a madman in the subway seems to carry a hidden message and our reclusive neighbor doesn't appear to be completely human. By slowly discovering the truth about our prison, our captors, and our hidden pasts, we can finally awaken from our induced sleep and take control of our destiny. So, looking at this, and I read, I read this little snippet, and I realized that I'm getting old. Originally released a quarter of a century ago, a century ago in 1991, <sighs> I'm like, I remember 1991, and I am now 45. It's painful. Uh, that said, enough enough whining about getting older. Uh, this, and I hadn't, I had not heard of this game at the time. It's uh, from a company in Stockholm, Sweden, that had originally put this out, and again, it it kind of. We talked previously about Onyx Path, and Onyx Path has worked to update uh, and create the 20th anniversary editions or 2.0 editions of the original White Wolf material, which granted updates of technology and gave you stats for newer weapons. Obviously, cell phones didn't, or smartphones, let me correct that. Smartphones did not exist in 1991, so they've been able to pump new life into the material and give definitive stats for for items and bring it into current day. And like when we talked uh, about Chill 3rd Edition and uh, Matthew McFarlane and all the work that they had done to to bring Chill into the current age, it's great to see some of these classic games that may have 
fallen by the wayside because there's been no new material really created for it or no new updates. And to see these games that people have loved get a new breath of life into it. So that's why I chose this. And their original, their original goal was 11,190. Uh, they're at currently 115,406. Um, so this is definitely going to happen, and it looks like there's a lot of people who remembered this game system or are intrigued by by horror role-playing, which, um, you know, Call of Cthulhu, there's so many different game systems out there that, that do horror and do it well. So uh, this is going to be another in the lines uh, of that. So uh, looking at this... Um, the uh, the monetary system is the I believe the krona kroner for uh, Switzerland. So uh, they do a conversion to U.S. dollars or whatever your particular where you live, whatever setting you have set for uh, Kickstarter. Uh, so to get an actual there we go an illustrated retail version print copy is sixty dollars. That pretty pretty you, normal for an RPG book these days. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and uh, it looks like you also get a PDF version as well, which is also fairly standard. And this is due to be delivered uh, December of this year. So, um, cool. yeah, there's a lot going on here, and I uh, definitely want people to to check this out and know that I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of games where either, you know, like I said, we talked to Matthew McFarland who managed to work with the uh, the license owner of Chill and breathe life into that. And you know, we've seen some strange things happen with White Wolf, but Onyx Path is still uh, on the job making updates to the classic White Wolf material. So I, I think that we're going to see a, an age, a resurgence of some of these classic games that have fallen by the wayside, like I said before. And uh, this is another in that line. Now... Um, with your love, and I'm, I'm addressing you, Venger, with your love of uh, Cthulhu with H.P. Lovecraft, um, have you played a lot of Call of Cthulhu or other horror-based role-playing games that you really enjoy? Uh, yes, I've played a lot of Call of Cthulhu okay. um, in, uh, in the past, in the present. Yeah, big fan of, of that system and, you know, the source material, obviously. Sure, yep. Uh, and I, I have, I actually have never played Cult. I have at least two different versions or editions of the rulebook and love the concept behind it, you know, the backstory, and I like the game, the, you know, the, the writing and the aesthetics. Um, but I never had the chance to actually play it or run it. Um, but for the inspiration, you know, just looking through it, it's very cool. Um, yeah, I would definitely be interested in playing it sometime. Sure. Never, uh, you know, it came out kind of, yeah, during that time, like high school and, and early college, and uh, just seemed a little too much on the dark side mm -hmm. um, for probably most of the people that I would play role-playing games with back then. Sure. Um, 
back then, you know, if you lived in a small to medium-sized town, even a college town or something like that, you put up an ad. You know, maybe after a month or so, you got uh, like three or four players, you know, the chances of all of them being into, you know, really dark stuff like that. Um, yeah, that never really happened. Yeah. But, uh, but Call of Cthulhu is kind of, you know, light enough where uh, it became really popular and um, I played it and I got a lot of other people to try it too who were already into it. So. That's cool. Yeah, that's one of the big struggles of living in a in a smaller town is trying to get a group of people together to to play a game and um and depending on the type of game you want to play it could make it even more difficult. So the struggle is yeah. most certainly real. But now we have the internet, so yes. that's a little better. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I tried uh, that roll twenty. Yeah. Thing. Okay. Um, a couple couple weeks ago or a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, you know, went pretty well, I think. Um, it was different because, you know, it's not face-to-face. Sure, yep. But, um, you know, I could, see, I could see the appeal of why people do that, uh, especially if they live in, in a location where there aren't a lot of gamers. Yep. Um, that's kind of an easy way to, you know, actually play these games. And, you know, there may not be anyone around that wants to play Cult or Cult Cthulhu or version of Dungeons Dragons or any other weird game. Um, but if you canvas the entire world, you know, all the people that might be online or on D20 or Google Hangouts or Skype or whatever. Sure. You know, there's bound to be like half a dozen people that are really into whatever obscure game you are and then you can just go play it. So, yep. That's uh, one of the one of the beautiful things about the, the internet is it helps connect people to to enjoy like-minded uh, activities and uh, and Roll20 especially and, and other, I think there's a couple other things like that that uh, help bring uh, gamers together which which is a good thing for the industry as well, so. Alright, well, while you are up and talking here, Venger, we want to start discussing uh, what, uh, what you have going on and uh, you know, I, I I stumbled across Alpha Blue, and I, I really was kind of intrigued by by the setting of it, and and I I reached out to you to to have you come on, and I'm really you've done more than that, and uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed uh, is your book and the title of this book, How to Game Master Like a Fucking Boss. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's a wonderful title. It definitely grabs your attention, but, you know, what prompted you to, to write a book like that? Well, I've been, I have been gaming, game mastering for, uh, you know, a long time, um, 30 years, as of last year, I believe. And, um, that's part of what I talk about on my gaming blog mm-hmm. is game mastering and, I feel like my perspective isn't unique, but I think it's uh, it's enough of a niche or it has enough, you know, individual take on it that, um, you know, people find it interesting or draw people in. It'd be different enough, I hope, from other game mastering books that, you know, 
people would see value and I could offer something. Um, you know, I didn't want to just do by the numbers like, oh, this is how you play a role-playing game and this is how you, you know, find people. This is how you roll dice, you know. I didn't want to do anything like that. I want to do something kind of outside the box, something that was not only old school, um, but kind of pushing the boundaries and trying to be innovative and trying to take things to the next level and just go beyond your, either your normal style of game mastering or what you normally think of in a role-playing game. Uh, I just kind of want to branch out and sort of force people that were reading it to um, go outside themselves and uh, you know continue learning about the craft of game mastering and try to improve and get better and try new things you know out of their comfort zone and um, yeah hopefully it was also an entertaining read and you know try to bring some humor into it and mm-hmm. my own aesthetics and things that I like so you know it's a very personal. Uh, collection of little little mini essays and tables, and so I just kind of wanted to bring what I had to offer to the game mastering table, and hope that people liked it. Yeah, and it's a it's a great resource, and it's not tied to any particular you know game like just D and D or just you know the products that you've created with Cortalis Publishing. It's it's open, which I think is is exceptional. That's very cool. Oh, thanks. Um, you know, one of the open, opening lines in the book, the best kind of role-playing is free from constraints and limitations, and I really love that worldview. Um, and it, that seems to be part of the, the view that you use to, to create Alpha Blue. And uh, I've had a chance to look through it, and it, it's really cool, and I like how you describe it. Uh, Alpha Blue is a humorous and sexual science fiction RPG taking place in the 23rd century, uh, but from a 70s perspective, although the 60s and 80s also qualify, depending on your nostalgia-fueled preferences. That said, what are some of the shows and movies or books or other media that you think people should probably check out if they're about to you know, dip their toes in the water of Alpha Blue? And uh, what are some of the things that you think will get people into the mindset or the feel of what you intended for Alpha Blue? That's a, that's a great question. Um, and someone mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, like, oh, you know what? You should put in, like, an appendix at the end. Like, oh, these are all the things that, you know, either inspired you or, you know, kind of what you were going for. And I was like, you know, that, that's actually a great idea. I wish I... <laughs> Wish I could go back in time and do that. But um, okay. Uh, so when I was very, very young, I grew up watching Doctor Who. Oh yeah. On, um, you know, public television. Yep. And every you know, it changed sometimes. Sometimes it's on like uh, like Sundays late afternoon. Sometimes it's on uh, Saturdays mid morning. But pretty much every single week. Uh, there was some Doctor Who on, uh, and this is all old school Doctor Who. Yep, fourth uh, and fifth. black and white to yep. um, uh, Peter Davison and, and beyond, a little bit beyond. Um, so I would just, you know, there's so many episodes. I would just watch, like, for years, and then 
you know, every once in a while, I don't know, like every three or four years, they would repeat. I would keep watching, and anyway, I was a big fan. I would get the VHS tape. So that's kind of where I was at with, um, that was, that's my favorite, you know, old okay. school vintage, uh, especially Tom Baker. Yep. You know, I think he's a lot of people's favorite doctor. But sure. Yeah, I, I include myself in that, you know, that group. Um, and back then, I was also watching uh, sometimes other British, other weird and obscure 70s fan fiction, uh, like The Tomorrow People. That's a little more oh, okay. out there and obscure. But I was really a big fan of that. A bunch of shows that uh, you can't even buy anymore. Or they're not, they're just like these weird British shows that just appeared on um, Nickelodeon or whatever back in, in the 80s. Uh, but, but they were from the 70s. And then we got him here, and I just started watching him. Um, growing up, I was never, I never really was introduced to um, Star Trek, but you know, discovered it later. Uh, Blake Seven is another great uh, late seventies, early eighties science fiction British show. Um, and we had HBO, uh, thank God, growing up, <laughs> and so I watched a lot of things that were not age-appropriate. Um, I don't know how old I was. I was probably like 10. I was watching Beastmaster mm. and Ice Pirates. And yeah, I was thinking I Ice Pirates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ice Pirates is a pretty big inspiration for Alpha Blue. Okay. That I mean, if you've seen Ice Pirates, it's obvious yep. if you've read Alpha Blue. Um, Flash Gordon. Okay. Uh, yeah. Still love, and I love all that stuff. And, you know, sometimes it's because of nostalgia or because it's cheesy or because it's awesomely stupid. But sometimes it's just because it's cool. You know, a lot of times the things that I thought were cool back when I was 10, I still think are cool. Sure. Um, so, yeah, Flash Gordon and uh, well, Star Trek, like The Wrath of Khan, that, yep. that's still my favorite and uh, oh, yeah. Star Trek film. And, yep. you know, that was in the 80s and I grew up on that. Obviously, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and oh my god. Um, but recently I've been trying to dig deeper, and I had no prior knowledge really of a, a show called Space 1999, except oh. for this guy that oh, yeah. blogs it. I think his blog is uh, Space 1970, or something like that. <laughs> and I would every once in a while hear about you know, the show that he was really into, and so I got that. Um, I watched that, you know, over the last six months. And there's some other shows, too, that I'm like, you know what? Uh, I've heard about this, and I've never actually seen it. Oh, the Sean Connery, like, Wild West movie, um, Outland, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Yep. So I've never seen that. And I'm like, you know what? Now's the time. I'm writing this, you know, I want it to be as, as 70s sci-fi as it could possibly be. Um <laughs> You know, so I also include the early 80s in that kind of sure. weird, yep. dark period of science and uh, science fiction and fantasy and exploitation films and, and making movie heavy metal. Oh, um, yeah. I even noticed that on uh, one of your charts, Nyborg, <laughs> was on the list. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, heavy metal, all right. <laughs> yeah, I reference a lot of stuff. Um, some people call them Easter eggs. Um might be more fair to say blatant ripoff of, you know, XYZ franchise. But, uh, you know, I try to take a little piece, a little piece from here, a little piece from there, add my big 
put my own spin on it, you know, add my own, you know, uh, je ne sais quoi, and, uh, you know, hopefully transform it into something that is fun and memorable um, and cool, but also harkens back to, you know, the 80s or the 70s or, you know, when you were like 10 years old and like, oh, yeah, cool, I remember that, and, you know. Yeah, you know, when I was uh, when I was looking through this, I was thinking the original Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Uh, yep. uh Ice Pirates and Buck Rogers immediately yep. kind of popped into yep. my head. Yep. Yeah, I, I I tried to watch a little bit of like uh all those cuz some of the things like yeah, Buck Rogers and Battlestar Galactica, the old series, I hadn't watched in years. And so if I had time, I was like, you know, that time before the kids, all the kids got up, I would try to sit there with my least fussiest kid uh, regarding the television, who actually let me watch a show. You know, my oldest, she's almost five, and she has definite ideas about what I should be watching and what I can watch around her and what I cannot. Like, she was just flat out to my face, like, Dad, this stuff is stupid. I do not want to watch it. Um... Kara comes out sort of mean, but she's like almost five, and so it's also kind of adorable. So I can't really get mad. Kristen, <laughs> she doesn't want to watch Ice Pirates. I probably shouldn't let her watch Ice Pirates uh, or Heavy Metal, but that's for my wife to chastise me later. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, that's that's really cool. And I, I you're looking through the material and even looking through. Uh, some of the art that I saw and some of the materials I saw for Girl, uh, Girls Gone Rogue, which is the, the supplement for Alpha Blue, which uh, I think I said in pre-show, I'm like, congratulations on, on getting that funded. You um, funded 4,000%, it looks like, or 400%, sorry. Well, I like to beat overachiever when possible. So. <laughs> um, regarding our work, you know, I liken it to, especially in a format like Kickstarter, where you're trying to pre-fund everything and get people excited about it, like, before it's out, before it exists. Yep. I liken it to, um, like, a movie that shows, uh, like, a, like, a preview of a movie. It shows all the good parts in the preview. Mm-hmm. And then you go to see the movie, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I saw that, like, a dozen times, you know, over the last month in the preview. So. Sure. You know, it loses some of its impact. It's still awesome, but it's like, yep, yeah, uh, okay, what else you got? So I err on the side of um, not showing, you know, all the things that I get, you know, all the artwork that would come in. You know, I have sure. to show a piece or two just to let people know, like, you know, hey, I'm curious about this, or this is the kind of style, you, you know, you're getting. But... Um, I don't know. I I would probably be farther ahead just to like post as much artwork as I'm getting on the Kickstarter site or you know on my blog or something like that. But I just want to hold some stuff back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For for the people when they get it and they're like, oh my god. Sure. You know, they get the book or they read the PDF and they're like, you know, kind of blown away. They weren't expecting that. You know, people probably think, oh, if you have something awesome, you know, show it right away. There's a temptation to do that. I am tempted. But I just think it's better to not show the best aspects until 
it's in people's hands, and then they get the full, you know, full reaction, yep. and hopefully they're like impressed or pleased or blown away or you know whatever. Yeah, and looking through you know the artwork that you had for, <clears throat> excuse me, through uh, Alpha Blue especially, uh, you de- get a definite sense of what the atmosphere and what the game is about, and so so people are are fully understanding. It is a, it also deals with, it deals with some of the seedier ends of this particular universe that you've constructed. Um, the way things have changed on Earth and, and this space station called Alpha Blue, um, you know, there's 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 drugs in there. There's there's all sorts of vice and, and things that your characters can can be a part of and indulge in if they so desire. Those that rule in that structure is most certainly there uh, to to do that. So, and yeah. and, and it's a hard R. Rating, yeah. or, uh, or even NC-17, uh, some yeah. of the time. Um, sure. Yeah. But that said, I I think that you know, it, in the right group and done and done well, that isn't really a a detractor at all. In fact, it kind of makes you make some important decisions for the type of character that you have and what they would do, what they wouldn't do, and you know how they would handle having access to all these things and the choices that they would make. So, yeah, I think that's right. that's kind of a cool structure. Yeah, it's a different kind of vibe. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be played like that. It can sure. play more of a straight laced, but, um, but, you know, I don't usually, when talking about the game, go out of my way to... Um, to say like, oh, you, you know, you could play it as a normal science fiction game, and you don't have to include elements like that and stuff like that. Because because I went ahead and did it, I feel like I should just go all out and talk up the ways that it's different. Because sure. there's like hundreds of games that are vintage-y sci-fi, um, but really there's only well, there's probably two games that I can think of that. I like that. There's, there's Alpha Blue, and then before that, it was um, uh, Machinations of the Space Princess, okay. which kind of has the same kind of uh, vibe, but it's also really, really different. Um, okay. So, yeah. No, and that's cool. And, uh, you know, the true test of a game system is the ability for that company or that particular person who's putting this together to add more to that universe. You know, we've been talking about like um, D&D 5th edition. They were kind of holding back for a while and allowing you know, game masters to kind of create their own thing and now they're starting to churn out some more, some more stuff to expand that universe and actually what's kind of cool is bring back some of the classic stuff that had kind of been thrown by the wayside. Regardless, yeah. seeing that you know you've come up with uh, Girls Gone Rogue, and how you structured your Kickstarter, I thought was really wonderful. And um, for those of you who uh, who didn't get a chance to see this, uh, one of the things that I thought was really cool is when you hit certain stretch goals, you started to release some of the maps for some of the ships that were available, and and those maps were 
absolutely beautiful. My my hats off to oh, you, and, you and your crew because that it has a, a it gives you a great oversight to you know like the structure the the technology that's available in in your universe and <laughs> I love the fact that these are are done up like blueprints but they also look like you know, there's like a maybe a coffee ring, or they're a little kind of scuffed up. They look like they've actually been used, and and I thought that that was yeah. kind of cool. I wanted to have uh, like a spaghetti western kind of feel, where it had like kind of like the original Star Wars, where it had like this presence um, of this aesthetic of the '70s. Everything was kind of old and dirty and used up. And um, it was corroded. Sure. And, uh, you know, a lived in kind of galaxy or universe. And um, so that's what I told uh, Glenn, um, Glenn Seal of Monkey Blood Design. Okay. He's, besides, you know, I do all the writing and, and all that stuff. But um, for the last few books, he's done all the layout and um, he puts together pretty much all of the maps, uh, either like a dungeon map or like a starship map. Uh, so really it's just the, the two of us uh, doing this stuff. And um, yeah, he does really great work. I'm super impressed every time um, he comes out with something. You know, I'll, I'll give him a couple of reference pictures and I'm like, you know, I want it to look kind of like this, but Less like a penis this time. <laughs> you know, like yeah, because one of the or ships, like, they definitely... Yeah, like, you look more like a penis this time. <laughs> or some variation on that. And, uh, yeah, he comes through. You know, sometimes they'll, like, come up with something, and I'm like, ah, I want to look, you know... You know, I want to have, I don't know, uh, more balls, or, you know, something like that. Sure. Yep. And then, you know, he'll accommodate me and he'll come up with something with more balls. And I'm like, that's beautiful. Like, you know, wrap it up. We're done. <laughs> and um, I figure it's, it's nice to, if someone really wanted it, like um, uh, a design of his or, or ours or mine, uh, someone could acquire it and, you know, by whatever means necessary. And so when it reaches, like when we reached the stretch goal that we did on Girls Gone Rogue, I thought, you know, I'm just going to release it to everybody. I'm just going to have whoever wants it, you know, just put the Dropbox or Dropbox link out there. Sure. And you don't have to back the game. You don't have to buy Alpha Blue. You don't have to play it. You don't have to do anything. But if you want these, they're here. And hopefully the thought is that um, while they're there getting these maps, maybe they'll also look at the game or the Kickstarter or my blog or something like that. But then maybe we'll look at Glenn Seals, other designs, you know, the other role-playing games that he's worked for or worked on. Uh, maybe they'll tell their friends, like, oh, you can get these free maps over here. And then they'll be sent over to the Kickstarter link or uh, drive through RPG link or something like that, and then they'll get into it and, you know, kind of word of mouth. Sure. If you wouldn't mind, I would love to show the, the Sun Sun class, uh, I'm sorry, Sunfish yeah. class ship uh, to the people that are checking us out on YouTube. Um, yeah, I, was just, I was just checking out uh, the Monkey Blood design page, and he's got a lot of cool stuff up there. 
I this the, wow. when I when I said that it looks lived in, it looks like it has coffee stains on it. It this is absolutely fucking beautiful. Um, Thank to, you. To me, that this is I mean, but this looks this looks real. This looks lived in. This looks like somebody has either you know an yeah. engineer has poured over this design a number of times, or you know the other thing that I noticed too is you got the cargo. Uh, locks here that are usable on the sunfish class, but they're also usable if they're flipped around for the uh, octopan uh, class ships as well. So, I mean, there is a lot of thought that's been given to the design uh, for these ships, <clears throat> which I truly, truly appreciated and, and, you know, really shows how much you two care about creating something that's that's cool and, and makes sense and is functional. So, my hats off to you guys for making a hell of a product here. Thanks, um, and I'll say thank you to, to Glenn too. He did a lot of. I mean, he's you know, like I said, I, I show all the reference picks, picture of like um, you know two or three things that I just find on the internet. And I think, oh, that was cool, but you know, make it different enough where it's not exactly the same. And then he'll come up with something like that. I'm like, whoa, like that's. Obviously, you took your time, you thought about it, yeah. and you knew what you were doing even before that. And, uh, I mean, he was doing, like, CAD stuff, like architectural whatever. Oh, sure, um, yep. Before getting into, like, RPG stuff. So it, it obviously shows, like, he knows what he's doing, and he does an amazing job. Um, you know, like I said, somewhere else on a uh, Google comment or something, like, you know, my contribution is I, I tell him to make it look awesome. <laughs> and then, you, know, and then, you know, I could take whatever credit for it. But uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so this one, the, the Tiny Dancer, mm -hmm. uh, and he'll go with his own, like, flavor stuff, too. Like, he came up with a Chihuahua class. Yeah. That was, that I was love that name. Game, you know? <laughs> I get to be in a position where if I think it's funny or cool or something like that or sexy, uh, why not? Um, I can either approve it or I can reject it. You know, if I didn't like Chihuahua class, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to put my own thing in there uh, or do this instead. Uh, but if I love it, like I usually do with, with the stuff, I'm like, yeah, just go. Just go to town. Um, for this particular one, the Tiny Dancer, I was like, you know what? I want like a big blood stain. Oh, like a headshot. Oh, sure. Like, <laughs> someone's brain just kind of like flew across the, the cantina uh, you know, wall and a lot of it hit this blueprint for the uh, or the plans for the starship. <laughs> and then he did that. And I was like, awesome. Like, that's a wrap. We're yeah. done. No, it's a thing of beauty. And the other thing too that I, I really appreciated about this is when you released it, it's at 300 deep or no 600 DPI. I'm sorry. So this is like yeah. high quality. If you were to take this to a a print shop, you could have this printed out in large format and make it a map that you can actually. Print. And I do. Yeah. I do. I've got. Uh, I don't even know how big the, the original Alpha Blue one is, and then, and that's on that Kickstarter too. Um, like I want to update for the whole thing. It's like four normal space station maps, like a different quadrant, like combined. Okay. Sure. I think something like 40 inches by 60 inches, it's giant. Oh, wow. And I, 
in the Starships, uh, the Tiny Dance, I think, is like 22 by 17. In some of the bigger ships, I don't know, like 20 by 34. Or, I can't remember numbers. But um, And my wife is just like, why do you need all these maps? Like, how many times, like, is this really necessary? You know, first of like, you buy so many, like, diaper bags and, you know, whatever else. Like, hey, I can I can spend money. But, like, in my maps, like, how can I even show my face in the mirror if I have these maps created for my own game and I paid for them? They don't even have them blown up so, like, I can use them in the game. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, I've got to do that. So that's how I justify it to my wife, to myself. Uh, yeah, because I get a lam- laminated, too. Oh, you know, yeah, this yeah. Is something I want to be using for years and years. Sure. So I protect it and make it look, you know, good. So I laminate it. And, um, you know, it's, it costs some money. Uh, hopefully I can find a coupon. There's like Kiko's FedEx. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think I can get, like this last time, I got 25% off. So, you know, save me. Save me. I had like three maps made up and, like, I think it was like $130 before the discount. Oh, okay. So I think yeah. like, I don't know, like 80 after. Nice. I don't know, something. But, yeah, it's worth it. You know, it's not like I'm doing this every week. You know, once a year, you know, I feel I'm allowed to, to make some big maps and <laughs> go all out. And uh, it's fun, and it looks cool. I mean, even yesterday I was playing D&D, um, with some guys, and one of the guys was in the Alpha Blue game the week before. It was like, he was going on and on about the maps. He's like, those things are beautiful. And, you know, we, seeing them online is one thing, and they look cool there. Seeing them in person, it looks even better. Yeah. And you're just like blown away. Like, like if, you, if you're the kind of game master that likes visual aid and like props or, you know, something like that, uh, some sort of visual representation in your game, like having something like that is, you know, really, really cool. And yeah, I highly recommend it. If, you know, someone is in a position to afford it, then yeah, I think they should. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Cause there's, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's hard to sometimes, and depending on the type of game master you are and how, um, how well you can, describe something so everybody's kind of on the same page visually as to where people are kind of placed in a room or whatever but you know uh, to me mm-hmm. maps are the way to go um, for yeah. sure so alright uh, you know I, what what's next for okay. the Alpha Blue Universe and uh, Corthalis Publishing what what are you looking to do next well normally my, my MO is the hopscotch like one genre to another to something else. But this is kind of a rarity for me to come up with something like Alpha Blue and then immediately follow it up with something that's directly compatible and sure. goes together. I usually don't do that. I usually like, as soon as I'm done with one thing, I kind of like get a little bored and I just want to do something like the opposite of that. Okay. But um, so now I kind of want to go back to horror and the Cthulhu Mythos, um, yeah, I want to go back to that well and reference heavy metal yet again, one more time, 
<laughs> and um, uh, yeah, I can't say any more than that. But, okay. okay. Um, <laughs> the outer presence is, is an adventure, and uh, it's also very small, like just a few pages of it are devoted to the rules. Um, but it's very rules light, old school type of uh, uh, investigative horror role playing game. Oh, like cool. Call of Cthulhu. Okay. Of. Um, and so this will be compatible with, with that and with other games like Call of Cthulhu and the half a dozen other games, role-playing games that are also compatible with Call of Cthulhu and do basically the same thing except probably different rule systems or game mechanics. Or whatever. So, uh, yeah. And then that's, um, that's probably something I'm going to try to kickstart with summer, I think. Okay. So I'm going to take a couple months off from Kickstarter, uh, get this done and out of the way, then take a little break, and then be back this summer with, with the next thing, the next uh, Lovecraftian Cthulhu or thing. Cool. When when you do that, please hit us up because uh, okay. we would definitely want to talk about that. That'd be great. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for talking to us, and uh, we're going to – kind of wrap things up here and then uh, just so people know how to get a hold of you we're going to ask you your contact information where people can find out especially about your blog which is which is okay. really which is really good and people need to check that cool. out um, hello my name is uh, it's your opportunity to tell us about your favorite character that you have or are currently playing <clears throat> excuse me um, I'm trying to go through here because I just made up for last week's submission for Tony. I'm going to have to dip into the internet well because what I like to do is after <clears throat> excuse me, after we uh, have uh, a certificate made for somebody and there we go. I'm going to pull this up and I'm going to share it with our YouTube folk in just a sec here. God, this is really sad radio right now. If you're not looking at YouTube right now, you're probably wondering what the hell is going on here. All right. So, hello, my name is. It's your opportunity to tell us about your character and what I end up doing because I do ask for your email address. This is what you get. You get a certificate that is basically a thank you for taking the time to talk about the character that you play, a little bit about, you know, a character that uh, and a system that you enjoy being a part of and this is uh, high res suitable for framing if you get it printed out and this is what you get in return for you taking the time to let us know what games are out there what games you guys are playing and what we should have on our radar uh, and maybe if we have played it kind of talk a little bit about some of the things that we've enjoyed about that system uh, as well so it's just a way for us to kind of connect with each other and um, and see what's going on out there on the gaming scene. So when you get the chance, stop by at gncasts.com slash adventure, and you'll be able to see a link off to the right-hand side that is a graphic that says, Hello, my name is. Just click that, and there's a short form for you to fill out just that little bit of information about who you are, what game you're playing, why that character is so cool. And... Um, We'd love to hear from you. And then, like I said, you get that thank you of a printable certificate uh, in return for you taking the time to connect with us. Uh, you can find out more about our meetings and show notes for each meeting, contact information, and subscription links. Whew, that's a lot of stuff. 
uh, just by going to gncasts.com slash adventure. Uh, you can also find and follow us on Twitter or join our Facebook group by using the Facebook search term Galactic Netcasts. And you can also find all of our social media outlets by going to gncasts.com. Uh, like I said, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. We, we hit a number of different formats. Where, wherever you are, that's where we want to be. Uh, like I said, you can go to the YouTube channel, which you can find at youtube.com slash galacticnetcasts, and that's where our video versions of the meeting always hit first, and then I come back and I pull the audio and edit and create a cleaner audio version uh, for you guys to check out, uh, either from using your RSS feed catcher or we use uh, Stitcher and iTunes. And speaking of Stitcher and iTunes, if you could take a moment to just give us a review and tell us what you like, what you thought could have been done a little bit better, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we do this show for you, and uh, you let us know what we can do a little bit better, and we can make a better show, and we can all be uh, we can all be happier with the outcome of the product. <laughs> well, Brad does it for you. I do it because I have an ego that must be fed. <laughs> Glenn Bittner is the big fucking deal. Never forget. No, no uh, <laughs> uh, You can leave us feedback by emailing adventure at gncasts.com or you can call or text us at the number 805-328-3966. Again, that's 805-328-3966 and you can leave us a voice message or a text message at that number. Uh, you can also go to our website, gncasts.com, and in the lower left-hand corner, you'll see a little icon for uh, leave us a message. And if you have a microphone attached to your computer, you can click that, and you can uh, tell us directly through your computer uh, which, what's, what's on your mind. We'd love to hear it. Well, uh, Venger, I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us about uh, Corthalis and uh, all the things that you're doing and Alpha Blue and Girls Gone Rogue. And once again, congratulations for getting Girls Gone Rogue uh, funded at 400%, well over what you were looking for. Uh, that's <laughs> that, that's really cool. Where can people... For a second there, I thought you were going to congratulate me for getting girls. Like, oh, <laughs> back in the day, you know, I was quite the player. <laughs> there you I thought I congratulate you for forcing me to have to modify my drive through RPG yeah, for Girls Gone Rogue. Um, yeah, I'm happy too. Thank you. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Uh, where can people find out, uh, especially your uh, your game mastering blog? Uh, where can people find out more about you and Court Thales? Uh Yeah, my blog is um, just a Google blog spot. Um, you can find it by googling Avengers old old school gaming blog. I don't. I think so far years ago is to come up with like a really cool. Titles for my blog, uh, <laughs> name like a lot of like gaming blogs do, and I'm constantly jealous of them. I'm like, ah, I should have done something cool like that. Had something cool catchy name, like Mindflayer, uh, Tarask, or I don't know something. Different. You know what? It's <laughs> awesome. It's but uh, yeah, it's just Avengers old school gaming blog. <laughs> That's it. If you Google that, you'll find me. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm Benjamin Satanus on Google Plus or Community or just Google. I don't know. Find me and you know add me as an acquaintance or follow me or, or whatever. 
yeah, I really want to recommend Alpha Blue. Uh, just the the love and attention that you and Glenn have put uh, into this uh, really shows, and uh, I think it's something that people should really really check out. So thank you for taking the time thank to join us. Absolutely, yeah. We'll have to do it again sometime soon. Absolutely. Uh, and Glenn, I know <laughs> you, uh, you you had some difficulties getting from uh, fire and ice and, and getting home and uh, joining us on the show, and that's okay. But uh, where can people find out more about you, Glenn? You can find me on Facebook. Just uh, just drop me a line directly or uh, Mr. Runner RPG on Facebook. Follow me on YouTube with the Beam Movie Bunker and uh, Guy in a Bunker, or follow me on Twitter at Guy in a Bunker. Yes, you have changed that to Correct. Guy in a Bunker. Guy in a Bunker. So uh, you can check out all of Glenn's horror shorts that he's done. I uh, highly recommend that. So I want to thank everybody for taking the time to join us uh, at the Adventure Party. May your characters never die and your adventures always be epic. Thank you and good night. been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about this show and others, go to gncasts.com. That's g n c a s t s.com.